Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Peace, Love, and Flotation. When I met Max, my guest today, I had never been in a flotation tank. Heard a lot about it, known many people that have done it, just haven't made it there myself. And so... Through this conversation that you're about to hear that he and I had, I committed in that moment to trying this out. It's so funny in life how sometimes people, you know, resonate with things and we hear things and we're like, oh, this sounds cool. But like we never actually get to do it or we just don't make time on our calendar to do it. But occasionally we have a conversation or we meet somebody and we just really feel like, yeah, I'm going to make this a priority. So after the conversation that we had... I made it a priority and I wanted to share a little bit about my experience. So if you haven't seen a flotation tank, it's just basically a very big kind of, well, the one that I was in like egg shaped pod that your whole body could fit, you know, lying down in and there's still some room in there and it's filled with water about halfway and it has so much, I guess it's salt, right? That's in there that it creates a buoyancy for the the human body. So when you get in there and you start to like, let's say go and lay back, your feet will pop up and you'll float. Like you'll just naturally float. And uh, some of them have lights inside, you know, different kind of colors you can have, or you can have it be totally dark. You pull this lid down, at least the one I was in, um, and you're just in this, you know, sensory deprivation tank. And so my experience was I went and I got in the tank and I laid back and I immediately felt this like really, really interesting sensation in my back and my neck. And as I've shared with you guys, if you've listened to this podcast for years, then you know that I've had various neck problems and I ended up getting surgery on my neck in 2022. And so, you know, when you've had chronic pain in an area of your body, your body is dealt with all kinds of stuff in that area. And then if you have like a surgery in a certain area, there's, you know, more trauma um, to that area. And so when I laid back in the water, and it's such an interesting sensation because you almost have like a sensation that you can't put your head back in water. And it's, you know, like if you fell asleep that your head would sink. So, so I was laying back there. It's so relaxing. It feels like you're kind of being held and it feels like you're kind of in outer space. But because I've had so many things go on with my neck, I was having this like really interesting sensation in my neck area where I had had my surgery. And I can't really describe like what was going on, but I was very present to it. And so even though my body felt so relaxed and my mind felt so relaxed and it really is a lovely experience, there was quite a bit of like tension in my neck or like a, a holding on that was going on in my neck. And I was like, 
this is so interesting. And it, and what I was assigning a meaning to that as I was sitting there, I'm not even going to say it's like 100% true, but like what was coming up for me um, in that moment is like that my neck has felt so unsafe. Like it felt like this area of my body that has been weaker than other areas of my body and has, you know, caused me so much pain and that I don't trust that area of my body. I mean, rightfully so. I've been through a lot over like a seven year period of time with my neck. And so like, it was like this intense energy of like all of the muscles in there just activating and and I, I decided like, rather than to just sit up, which you can do in these tanks, that I would just kind of breathe through it and see if I could like dissipate the energy, you know, and run it to other areas of my body and kind of out of my body into the water. So I started like breathing into my neck area and just seeing if, if I could get the pain to like go, you know, different places, like move that energy of pain. It's so interesting when you have a chronic pain, you develop such a, such a fascinating relationship with pain. I think that, you know, probably for anybody, even people that aren't, you know, wouldn't call themselves super aware, you do have to develop some sort of strategy to deal with it in one way or another. I mean, and my strategy was not to push up against it or to, to um, tighten my body, but instead to like, be curious about the pain and relax into it and breathe into it and see if I could move that energy. Cause it just feels like, a ball of tight energy. So it was such an interesting um, dichotomy because the rest of my body is fully relaxed, enjoying this experience. My neck is having this completely other experience. And I'm just like, and I'm relaxed for the most part, except for like, obviously my neck is pulling my attention. And I just kept breathing into it and just, and just giving it love and saying like, I know, you know, we've been through so much together, makes me cry. And and I love you. Right. And, and it's so interesting because like with pain too, it's so common to feel like you start to hate that part of your body or you hate that pain, or you're just like so frustrated, right. Cause you just don't feel good or you can't do the things that you want to do because of the pain. I mean, there's a myriad of emotions, um, that come up when you're dealing with pain, right. Be it physical, mental, emotional, otherwise it's like, and so i was just like sending my neck so much love and just saying you can let go like you can let go and and it started the energy started to kind of dissipate and I was telling my neck it's you're safe like you're safe you're not gonna you know what I mean you're not gonna fall in you're not gonna and there was a couple times where the pain would get like more intense and then it would alleviate and more intense and it would alleviate a couple times I did like sit up because I just felt like I needed to you know what I mean? Relax and then go back in. But every time I went back in, it felt like it, I know this sounds weird, but my neck trusted itself more and that it could do its job. Right. And that everything was going to be okay. So I had this like really profound experience. It's hard to isolate your neck like that, or to be in, in things that would have you be able to experience something like that. So I was really grateful for this conversation spurring on the ability to, you know, at the desire, I guess, to go really try this out, um, which is really powerful. And um, which you'll find out when you listen to this, I don't want to spoil the entire thing. Um, but there are some amazing 
I'm going to call them salts, but magnesium um, and that that uh, Max's company makes that I utilize in my bath all the time now, all from this conversation. So just as an example, I mean, this is why I love having a show is because, you know, it's really one conversation for any of us, like that can make a shift or bring something into our life that is super healing or adds to our life, makes our life more beautiful or makes us understand in a better way. And that's what this conversation was for me. So Max is the shamanic sensei. He is an accomplished lifelong martial artist, which we talk about today. He's a performance coach and medicine man. Before becoming the founder of Max Vitality, he trained day and night for over a decade, aiming to become the next top UFC featherweight prospect. His drive to become the best led him down the rabbit hole of biohacking and all-around performance optimization. After countless health obstacles, Max decided himself to find the easiest and most effective recovery therapy. Max discovered float therapy, also known as sensory deprivation, hoping it would aid in his physical recovery. He soon realized that simply lying suspended in a silent, dark, saltwater-filled tank not only healed his body, but simultaneously enhanced his mind and deepened his connection with spirit. Max now aims to spread his wisdom on the benefits of floating magnesium, minerals, and energy in hopes to help others strengthen and balance their mind, body, and spirit. And he definitely did that with this episode. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Max to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here with us today. So happy to be talking about floating. And, you know, when I think about our topics from week to week, and I come into these moments, like, you know, as you probably do as well, you kind of enter a space and you start really thinking about like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And like, who can, you know, benefit from this? And I got to tell you that, you know, this is one topic that I feel like is universally beneficial and something that maybe people don't know about, but beneficial, not just on the physical, but beneficial for the spiritual. And so I'm happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to diving into all things floating and getting into it. Okay, cool. So take us back. Like we always go through some sort of pain point that brings us to, you know, healing or to an awakening experience. Where did it start for you and the journey that led you to floating? That's a good question. I mean, for me, yeah, the way I got into it was originally through the martial arts. And then even deeper than that, I guess my journey really started unfolding um, in this direction at birth <laughs> when I was diagnosed with a degenerative neuromuscular disease called CMT or Charcot-Marie-Tooth. And so basically it was really hindering my, my balance and my muscle strength and coordination and lots of things in my life and kind of delaying the, my progression of walking or running or jumping or athletics and many manners. So that inspired my parents to start seeking out something around the age of four um, to help with my muscle strength, balance, and coordination. And they, they ended up enrolling me in the martial arts at the age of four, which was such a blessing. And yeah, so I ended up sticking with it. And then over the years, 
I had my first float when I was about 17 years old. And originally I was getting into floating for a mixture of two reasons. One, I was prepping for a martial arts competition that was coming up at the time. And so I was trying out all these different kinds of therapy, um, things that would help quiet my mind, things that were helping with the physical trauma of getting, uh, of just training camp, getting beat up on for, for many hours a day. Um, but yeah, really also something deeper than that, something to help me regulate my emotions. Dude, I was feeling a lot of stress and um, internal pressure that I was putting on myself, fear of judgment, things like that, that I was putting on myself leading up to this martial arts competition. So I was looking, desperately seeking something that could help mitigate all those things. So I tried things like yoga and um, yeah, many different forms of therapies, kind of ranging from high-end Western world technologies to South American brews and Eastern philosophies and kind of just about everything in between. But when I had my first float sesh, it was just, I don't know, it just resonated so deep. The fact that it was dealing with the mental and physical recovery while at the same time helping me um, harmonize and deepen my spiritual practice, which at that point in my life was really something I was craving to go deeper on. So it was just that it just hit all three of those, you know, the physical, the mental, the spiritual and intertwined them so, so beautifully. And it was just what I needed at that point in my life, especially before that martial arts competition. And I started floating more and more and diving into the research and then ultimately ended up being so inspired where I started up my company, Max Vitality, where we now distribute float tanks and spread, help spread the good word. I love it. So for anybody listening, you know, I, I'm in Southern California and we have various places that, you know, offer float, that float tanks and offer floating. Um, you know, I know some people probably live in places where that is more rare or they've never heard of it. So give us a visual, paint us a picture of if someone has never heard of a float tank or floating, what that experience is. Happy to. Yeah, it's definitely a unique environment, but really Floating is just a powerful form of therapy. And sometimes known as sensory deprivation too. So floating or sensory deprivation, powerful form of therapy. And really just what it involves is getting in a big egg-shaped hot tub type tank, usually with the lid over the top, but we also have some tanks that are totally open as well for, for anxious cholesterol people. But you get into this tank and inside this tank, there's 10 inches of water. But these 10 inches of water are extremely super saturated with over a thousand pounds of magnesium salts, typically Epsom salts. Um, so it's a lot of salt and it creates an extremely buoyant saltwater solution. So buoyant that you could literally take a bowling ball, put it in the water, and it would just easily float to the top like a cork. So it's really, really an incredible experience. Plus, you're getting all the benefits of the magnesium that is in all that Epsom salt, soaking up through your skin, you're breathing it in, you're soaking it up through the, the mucous membranes in your backside. So we're getting all the benefits of the magnesium. We're getting all the benefits from the zero gravity environment, this extremely saline, buoyant solution, while at the same time, that tank is all, also silent and dark and totally void of all external sensory stimulation coming into the brain altogether. Uh, so that's another piece there that starts to take your inner being on a journey 
Um, and it's a great way for me that I've used to help deepen my spiritual practices and connect with my inner being and ultimately realize what I really am um, inside the tank. So yeah, it's a powerful form of therapy and has, has many, many benefits. So let's talk about it body-wise. Like what does this do for your body when, you know, it's so interesting because like when I was first thinking about this, like there are small pieces of resistance to that, right? And I was like, you know, and I think a lot of people could feel like, okay, well, it's unfamiliar. So we have resistance to things that are unfamiliar. Like I'm getting in a tank, you know, it's closed off. Like, you know, people... I feel like have lifetimes of trauma about being in small spaces, even if like, I'm not claustrophobic. Right. But like that could bring up something for somebody or being in a totally dark space, being by yourself, you know, there's lots of different things. And I actually think this is the genius of like floating is that I always, whenever I feel any resistance, I'm like, I use it as an opportunity to go, all right, what's that about? Right. Like, that's so interesting that I feel that. And then I would like got to this place where I was like, sometimes we resist things that will actually heal us, right? We resist like, cause we, we are so inundated with so much, you know, sensory overload in our world at this time. And we go, oh my gosh, like I, it's too much. I'm too stressed. I'm too this, I'm too this. But we actually are like plugged into that energy and we don't know how to unplug from it. And we actually feel like resistance to unplugging from that, right? Like it's like, it's like a mini like death, right? Of being in the matrix. And so as I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, like what are the spaces in me, right? That, that is plugged in that we don't even realize we are, and like what is available to us or possible when we like move through those resistance i mean i really think this is like the journey of life of an aware person is like where do i feel the resistance you know what i mean what's it about and like how do we like move through that right and find the peace and i was like oh it took me on this whole journey of like where are we resisting peace right and that and that ultimate like connection, soul connection, you know, spirit connection that we say that we want a lot of times, right? But then when an opportunity is presented, we feel a slight, even if it's so slight, right? A slight resistance. Although some people might feel a huge resistance, like, oh my gosh, you know, in doing anything new that would be, that would take us into a different state of being basically. So I just wanted to put that out there for people like on my own process, because I've never floated, but I do want to do this. And I will do this because I have like, you know, that little bit of like, what's the experience going to be, which for me at this point in my life means like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to do this, right? Because I'm going to discover something else about myself, like in this process. Do you find that people like do have like slight resistance or or fears around it or you know even just getting into that space of like what is it like to not have sensory you know the smells the taste the sounds the light all of that around us yeah it's such a transformative experience and i, I appreciate you sharing your your feet your feels and it's cool for people to be get to see your level of awareness with that and how you use that as your fuel you know you use that as your compass that internal resistance and the your it's your guiding light you know there's stuff there that is looking to be purified there's different attachments at the root of that and that's our compass if we're on this path and we're really on this path to stir up and liberate as many of those attachments as possible so that we can return 
uh, to source and realize what we really are, then this is a great way to do it. And every time we feel any of those resistances, that's a great time. Uh, you know, that's our compass. Let's say the, the cave you fear to enter is the cave where, you know, where the treasures that you seek. And I, I see that a lot with floating. Because again, a lot of people, like you said, we have so many attachments to so many things, especially so many things coming into our senses. And to go into a place where you're cutting out all of that, you're going into this environment where you're cutting out all sensory stimulation altogether, everything that's coming in from the external world, you're separating yourself from any attachments that you have to the external world or anything that's coming in through any of your senses is going to get stirred up. We're going to feel resistance towards that, you know? So yes, many people do feel that resistance. That's great. I mean, the silence alone, the darkness alone is enough to stir up a lot in people. That's why for some people that maybe they feel so resistant that they are hesitant, like really having a difficult time getting themselves to do it. It's just important to know, um, like there are levels to it, you know, we can go in, we don't have to go right into the silence or the darkness. We can go in and there's the inside of our tanks is a multicolor chromotherapy light that people can press on and they can be sitting in the tank, getting the benefits of the zero gravity, getting all the benefits of the magnesium that you're soaking up through every hair follicle in your body. <laughs> the magnesium is going right into your body and this is a very relaxing mineral. Um, and I think not underestimating the power of the magnesium on the spiritual journey as well, because the magnesium is a really powerful tool to help quiet the mind. And once we can quiet the mind, a lot of those resistances start subsiding. Then we can start doing going to our practices like opening the heart or whatever that may be for someone. Again, we can go in if we're resistant to the silent darkness, maybe we just deal with the silence and we can go in with the light on. For resistance to the silence, maybe we just go into the darkness and we leverage the powerful underwater sound transducers on the back of the tank and we listen to our favorite song or a guided meditation or hypnosis track or whatever it is. But we can start to ease into the float experience until eventually we start lowering the volume, we mute the music, we flick the lights out after a half hour and, or, or a few sessions and then we're laying in there in the silent darkness. And then we can, we can start dealing with the internal introspective processes, like dealing with the mind, um, whether it's bringing our mind to a place of one-pointedness. is a practice that, that I use a lot and, and talk about a good amount. Focusing on one thing, so we're not at the mercy of the monkey mind running all around. We're not looking to dim, shut the mind off, because the mind is an entity, as you, as you probably are aware, that just thinks. So trying to shut it off completely um, isn't very effective for a lot of people. But instead... We can ask our mind, hey, can we just focus on this one thing? Uh, whether it's my breath, whether it's a mantra, an affirmation, whatever it is. And then once our mind's at that one point, becomes more one-pointed, then we can start to move beyond that and uh, merge with what we really are. I love it. And the other thing that I was thinking about is like, you know, we have a lot of children coming on the planet who, you know, when I was young, I had never even heard the words like sensory processing disorder or all these things, labels like that, that people want to give children, you know, and they, we have a lot of like high frequency beings coming into this kind of dense three dimensional reality. And I think, you know, 
as teachers, like shaking it up a little bit. And like, but you see a lot of kids, you know, I have an 11 year old son um, who's very sensitive, right? To the world in what I think is really cool ways. But, but I know that the world can be very overwhelming, you know, to kids. So like, is this something that kids can do? And like, what have you, you know, heard of or seen in your own experience um, with children being able to enter these spaces, which I think they're obviously super connected to, you know, and more connected to like a lot of adults that have, you know, lived in this density for a while. Definitely. And yeah, I feel very important for for children as well when they're ready. Again, just point out, doesn't have to be silent darkness, doesn't even have to be by themselves. Like I have a, a seven-year-old daughter and we'll go into the, the float, whether it's together or her and mom and whatever, whether it's um, birthday suit or um, bathing suit, whatever the, the child's comfy with. And um, you go in there and they can start to ease in and they'll start to see things in them. Like, a, like oftentimes for a lot of them, there's so much fascination with the environment, <laughs> you know, just being in a place that's silent and dark and like they they try to lay down or they try to like touch the bottom and they just float up to the top. So it's a really, really cool, fascinating experience for them. And they get to work through a lot of that. I know for my daughter, she had a lot with the darkness. So getting her, it was something we had to ease into and drop into maybe for that first float. It was literally maybe 30 to 60 seconds of darkness and the rest were where the lights were on, you know, but we're in there with the lights on, enjoying it. The lights are nice. Uh, some some light music. She connects really deep with music. But then it's like, all right, we're going to shut the light off together. You know, we're holding hands. We're in that space together. And we shut it off for 60 seconds, two minutes. And then she's like, all right, all right. And she wants the light back on. So we put it back on. And then next time we do it for three or four minutes. And then next time, 10 plus. And soon enough, it's a whole sesh. Um, yeah, so many benefits. Again, from the sensory deprivation the zero gravity aspect and all the magnesium, which many children and many peoples are extremely deficient in. There, there's a lot of, a lot of benefits in the flow environment for people of all ages. Yeah. So what did this do for you? You know, you trained in martial arts, obviously when you do anything physical, you know what I mean? Training year after year after year, like your body experiences some different things. You move through, you know, possible injuries, things like that. So, so you said at 17, you did your first float, you really felt connected to it. You kept doing it. What was opening up for you, let's say in that first year of, you know, embarking on floating, like, what did you notice physically? What did you notice, you know, mentally, emotionally, did you notice, like, were you super aware of like shifts that were occurring? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I feel something that wants to be shared is typically, um, you know, depending on the the platform, we talk about the martial arts and its impact and how that led to floating. But there was another piece there as well that was unfolding at the same time, where right before my first float sesh, again, around 17, I had my first sit with psilocybin uh, mushrooms, if, if anyone's listening and unaware. But and at the time, I mean, totally, honestly, and transparently, it's, it's come full circle now. But at that point in my life, I was going down a, a stickier, thicker path. And we know all paths lead to the same place, but uh, it was definitely a thicker, denser path full of much more illusion and separateness and veil. But 
I went into having that psilocybin experience, kind of looking to use it as another recreational drug at that time. Um, and the medicine in Sibby Street right off the bat and showed me things that deep, deep down I was ready to see. But I started to see the veil of illusion lift. And I started to see, um, you could say, through the matrix, to use your, your word from earlier, but really just see through the veil of illusion <laughs> and see how everything was very interconnected and um, what was really going on here. And that inspired me to do a 180 in my life pretty immediately. It was a very profound experience where I was getting all these realizations and all these downloads. And ultimately, after a few psilocybin journeys, because then I wanted to learn more about it and go in with more intention or more questions or um, and, and that ultimately evolved to uh, plant medicine ceremonies and keeping it in that ceremony space. But my point in saying this is around that same time I had my first sit with psilocybin. And one of the things that inspired me to try out floating was my craving or uh, yeah, my craving, my yearning to tap into these higher states of consciousness without the need for that catalyst or that mushroom, or that drug, or that molecule, or whatever it is. And I started diving into things like yoga, and meditation, and breath work, and then floating just naturally um, popped up. I was like, yeah, I got to do it. And then during that first float session, or one of the first float sessions, I really felt a hyper-synchronization between my left and right hemispheres of my brain, similar to what I did, uh, to what I was feeling when I was on the psilocybin. I started feeling this merging between the hemispheres as my consciousness began to elevate and transcend. And I started to see with less illusion and um, identify with something ultimately beyond my body and beyond my mind and beyond space and time and uh, really just connect with my inner being. So I guess just pointing out <laughs> that there was that intersection there between the martial arts competition coming up and at the same time, um, a craving to explore more of that stuff to kind of replace the psilocybin and deepen the practice of that catalyst. And then it, it cashed in on that big time. Yeah. And then do you feel like that was, you know, like the psilocybin like opened a door that you hadn't previously opened. And then, you know, cause a lot of times it's like, what's your, your opening, right? Like in your ability to open and, and you can, you know, use substances to open, but like we have that, I mean, the possibilities there without that. So do you feel like as you started to float, it was like a doorway in to experience, you know, more and more of like seeing through the illusion? 100%. Yeah, because there was nothing in the external world, like constantly, and I'm sure we're aware of it, but there's constant, our awareness is constantly getting fascinated or caught by things coming in through the senses right? Thoughts, things coming in through our vision. You know, a lot of empaths struggle with this where they, their awareness gets fascinated and goes into um, anything it's fascinated by. <laughs> anything it gets caught by, their awareness goes right to it, but they don't have that place to come back to. So when all the stimulation was cut out from all my senses, and I didn't have to worry about trying to um, maybe not 
go into what was coming into my vision or not go into the the sounds that are coming into my ears and just stay centered and grounded in my heart um, with my heart open, then um yeah, the float tank really just fast tracked the meditation process for me. Helped get me a lot deeper than I could when I'm sitting um, in front of my altar or in the backyard and the dogs barking and the birds are chirping and the lawnmowers is going and all the rest of it. And I'm trying not to let my awareness go over there. Um, the float tank was really great because it kind of just cut all that out for you and um, definitely shaved shaved a few months months off that process, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what was starting to change in your life as you started to do this? Like, because when we change inside of ourselves, we start connecting with our heart. We start, you know, there's an outward reflection of those changes. Like, did you notice, like, was your awareness like, wow, you know, things are starting to shift outside of me or did that process like take some time? Yeah. The process took, I mean, pretty instantaneously my um, my awareness started to gradually shift where if I was in conversation, maybe prior, my awareness would be getting ripped all around, you know, but I started to, well, yeah, really what ha- happened is I was able to build a foundation to what I could come back to and start to build that spiritual practice off of that foundation. So maybe even just having a heart center to come back to <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe before or, or that baseline to tap into before when I was overstimulated and I was constantly just running on empty um, with anger and frustration and judgments and resentments inside of me. Um, then it was very hard for me to tap back into any sort of baseline. So it really just helped me really establish a baseline, something that I could then build my practice off of. Cause now once we realize that baseline or we realize what we really are, now we can start working with that and start making it more of a practice. What can we implement? What can we do more of that will help us tap into that baseline or help us realize what we really are and then start building the practice off of that. And then anytime we're away from that baseline, we feel a little fluctuation. That is our cue to go back to the practices, whether it's a mantra, whether it's a technique, whatever it is, whether it's a few breaths, whatever it takes, something to help us get back to that baseline and and just recenter and recalibrate. So the float tank really helped me establish that baseline. And then from there, quickly after came the spiritual practice as my awareness kind of caught up to um, not just going into a float tank and feeling relaxed for the next 24, 36 hours. Now, how can I milk that as long as possible and continue to milk that? And when I come out of that, let that be my cue that I came out of it, not just unconsciously get ripped into frustration or jealousy or greed or whatever it is. I noticed those emotions now because they're so different from what I was experiencing prior. And now I can go back to the practice to help me tap back into that baseline or help me realize what I really am and then go back and go from there. So do you feel like energy, like we expend energy in different ways and you brought up like, you know, people who see visions and stuff and you can tune into something and you can just like go down a rabbit hole, right? Where you like are kind of leaving this reality and you're like over here looking here. And when you start to realize how vast it is, like you can really get caught up in a lot of, you know, down a lot of different rabbit holes. Um, And, and also there's various, I know it's different for everybody, but there's various degrees of like playing in other realms that can leave you physically tired, right? Like, you know, in in the same way that like experiencing 
I feel like the word is tossed around between like emotions that you brought up, like anger or jealousy or resentment. Like it can really, if you stand back far enough, it's like you're being thrown from this to that. And you're, you're taking all of your energy and wrapping it around that and involving yourself so deeply in that, that that is exhausting, right. In and of itself. So coming back to the baseline, you know, I, I picture it like, something can trigger us and we can like really just push all of our like energy into that and we can go down roads, right? Like people can stay stuck in their anger for like decades and decades or, or you can stay in it for like a week, but if it doesn't escalate, right. And keep like cycling and cycling and you're putting more energy into it and you're getting more and more angry. Like if you come to the baseline, let's say you experience it and then you just come back to the baseline, you're actually like conserving your energy, right. From being in those states of being. So what was it for you? Like, if you aren't spending so much time, like in jealousy or anger or resentment, or, you know, just flying off into these different states, like, what is that experience for you, like in your daily life? Like, what were you aware, like, oh, man, I'm not like going down these roads, you know what I mean, for days or weeks on end? Like, how does that change how you're like moving through the world? That's a, a really powerful question and a really great question. So it started to slowly, um, they started to slowly, I guess the impurities get purified and they were shed, whether it's through limiting beliefs or whatever it is, they started to start to leave them in the dust, give them less energy and give them less, um, just less identification with them. You know, they still come, but they don't embody me like they used to, you know, I can notice it. Oh, jealousy. Oh. But there's just an awareness there that's observing them and witnessing them and loving them, seeing them as, um, yeah, seeing them for what they are, just God in form. And it can just see through it and love it without getting so attached to it, if that makes sense. Um, so I guess for me, what we started to see was more sensations earlier on the path of peace and um yeah just peace and harmony in life and unfortunately not unfortunately everyone's path is perfect but on the path so many people stop deepening their practice and going as deep as they can go with it once they start cultivating more peace in their lives and things start kind of falling into place they kind of settle there in that sense but also yeah, there was just something in me just pulling my consciousness to bring it a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. But yeah, earlier on the path, there was more peace. It was more harmony. And then eventually, it was more love and eventually tapping into states of unconditional love. And what was helping me do this was a few things, but one of them was just learning to see everything and everyone as for what it really was, you know, there, there was no longer that illusion of separateness there that was going on. And once I experienced this, I could tap into it again and I could milk it longer and longer. But the illusion of separateness started to fade and I started to poke holes in that veil and eventually see through it like a, like a dirty old rag <laughs> and eventually just see everything and everyone for what they really are, which is God in the form of a human god in the form of a plant or bird and i was no longer getting as caught 
in the physical beauty, the physical form, right? I see you. I see your beautiful physical form where normally earlier on in my years, my teen years, I may have got caught in just seeing your form and of many people. But now I see through and I'm able to cultivate a deeper level of awareness where I can see you as God in the form of you. And I can see your physical body, but I also have a knowing and I've come to the realization that you are God in form right now. And I can love that. And I can open my heart up to that. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say to me. Um, just sitting here watching you and loving you and almost in awe at getting to experience you. And yeah, it's a really, really beautiful process. But starting to cultivate that deeper level of awareness we're not just getting caught in the beauty of the environment or what's going on in the environment, but learning to see deeper beyond that, beyond duality, beyond illusion, and realizing that it is all um, one that resonates with me is God in form. And that may not resonate with some people, and that's okay. Uh, you can call it the universe, you can call it source, in form, whatever you want to call it but just realizing what, what's really going on and, and what it really is. So beautiful. Such a beautiful lens to start to open up and, you know, and see life through that. Like, and it's so interesting because like, I think we have like a culture that is bored or restless or, you know what I mean? Or you wake up and you, you know, have your day, whatever your day may be. And it, and people get in this state of like, it's whatever. It's like, you know what I mean? I'm not excited about life or I'm not excited about this or, oh, I have to do that. I have to do that. You know? And it's like, when you get in the level of like consciousness and seeing that you have like it's like you could sit there and look at a leaf and just like go into that leaf and experience, you know what I mean? The vibration of it and the energy. And like you said, you know, God and form and just be so like into that. Right. And so like just witnessing the total incredible experience that, you know what I mean? That this leaf took form. Right. And all of like the ways it like, has the veins that bring water to it and like the genius of all of it. Right. It's like, so amazing. Like my son always says, when we like, I'll cut up fruit for him. And he's like, can you believe that God, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so good and it's so yummy and it's so beautiful. And like that we, you know, the things that like taste the best and are so good for our body that they are naturally made and that God can make this. And like, you know, we have these conversations about it and it's just like, Ah, yes. Right. Like, like all is right in that like frequency and that a way of like viewing our life and the perfection and, you know, all of those moments. And, and yet, you know, so much like people are pulled, you know what I mean? To these other like vantage points. Right. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like, we can even like, like almost like by osmosis, take that in from our outer environment, right? Like, like if everyone else is around you is like, ah, life, whatever, you know what I mean? It's easy to connect with that energy and to feel those ways. And just to understand that like through a practice like floating, right? Like we can return to a different way to experience life, I think is very exciting. 
agree. I agree. Yeah, no, it really is. And it's cool how uh, how tuned in, tapped in your your 11-year-old son is. That's awesome. Yeah. He's a cool being. So you got so inspired about this that you literally are like, I'm making these, right? <laughs> I am creating these float tanks and I am putting them out in the world. Like, what did you you know, I mean, I'm sure there's other companies that create them. Like, what was it that inspired you to start your company and say, I want to, you know, create this float tank and I want to put them out there? Was there something that you saw missing? Was there something, you know, in the marketplace? What what was the calling? Yeah, I guess for me, um, I was at a crossroads in my life where I felt I was in terms of going deeper down the path of martial arts and UFC competition and the rest of it or taking a step back from that and going down a different hole, you know, a different path. And, um, and I, I was feeling the call pretty strong at that point to that something needed to change and that I didn't want to have to fight for the rest of my life. You know, I was, I was feeling like I, like I had to, I didn't want to, that feeling of having to do the martial arts. I like just kind of doing them and flowing with it and doing it as it came. But uh, yeah, I, I was always very entrepreneurial at heart. So as soon as I first float and I started floating more and more, I started hearing about the research, diving into the research, seeing it was helping me on my path in so many ways, one with my physical condition, but even like insights into into things that I would have never uh, even thought to look any deeper into, <laughs> you know, like insights into my physical, neurological, genetic condition. Um and how, and I could start to see how I was the role that I was playing in my own disease. Um, mm. Even though my whole life, maybe I believed it was genetic or uh, or hereditary or whatever it was, but I could start to see how when I judge someone or I judge myself, I would tense up my hands and I would tense up my lower calves and I would tense up my feet and I would tense up my extremities. And over time, holding this energy in and not allowing it to flow was causing a lot of disease and, uh, and atrophying in my hands and in my feet. Um, so I was able to start to see only through the sensory deprivation where I could quiet everything out and just watch my thoughts. I noticed a thought of judgment go by that the moment that that thought of judgment went by, I felt a ripple in the water and my hands would tense up and my calves and feet would tense up. I'm like, wow. I started to notice how it, it would linger for minutes and hours on end if I didn't actively go into it and release it and shake it out and let it go. And that was going to keep happening as long as my mind was getting triggered into those judgmental forms. Yeah. So I guess I just started to see, to see and notice profound benefits and healings of the float tank. Um, for example, insights like that, that can be really like life-changing, I'd say, especially if some, anyone's dealing with any sort of deep conditions like that. And, and I went down that path. At the same time, I, obviously there was a piece of it where I was seeing this wave go from kind of the West Coast to the East Coast. And I was like, wow, I had that first float session and there's only one float center in all of New England. <laughs> um, I'm like, wow, this would be really great to put some energy into spreading this and educating people and help bringing it over here. And um, yeah, so that there was multiple inspirations there and that's what we've been doing. So now there's over the past like 10 years or so, it's been really crazy to see. Um, really incredible to see how many float centers are popping up in every state and just about every country now. So it's been, been awesome. 
so cool that you're such a, you know, integral part of that. Like, it's just awesome, right? Like, it's like, okay, something helped me and benefited me in so many ways. And now I get to share that with other people. I mean, that's like, you know, the process of expansion, like finding something that really speaks to you. And I just find it like, so interesting, too, that you spent like that beginning part of your life fighting. And it's probably like the polar opposite to like, basically full piece that you get, you know what I mean? In the float tank and there's nothing wrong. I mean, martial arts is amazing. My husband and son do it. Like it's incredible practice, but just like, that's an interesting, you know, juxtaposition when you said like, we all come to choice points and like, what road do I ultimately want to go down and choosing that road that you say, you know, it feels so much like peace Um, and then being able to practice the art of martial arts, like when you want to, but like, you know, not being in a position to do it on days when you don't want to, you know, or it doesn't feel aligned. I just think that is like super cool. And I'm really glad you brought up, um, with physical, you know, we all go through physical stuff. We all have stuff that comes up at some point in our life that we, that is, I think a teacher, if we look at it that way. And I just think it's really cool that, you know, I think a lot of people feel victimized by it. Like, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, why am I going through this like pain or this disease or whatever? I mean, it's very easy to let that like just completely consume you. And then for you to believe like whatever the narrative is about that, like, oh, I can't heal this or it's genetic. There's nothing I could do about it. Like, and then we feel like the victim of it. We have no power with it. And so I just think it's awesome that you got to this point where you're like, okay, what is the role that I'm playing in the manifestation of this in my body? Right? Like, because that immediately takes you out of like, there's nothing I can do about it. It's just happening to me. And you know what I mean? It's in my lineage or whatever. Um, You know, because there's always, I think, a role that we play and a lesson to be learned in those things that we, you know, experience in our life physically. Big time, big time. Yeah, I feel I'm glad you brought that up. Because it's even the most subtle beliefs at all are like even subtle subconscious beliefs about, I don't know why, but this one wants to come through for a moment. So we'll see, but hey, I'm sitting there in meditation, right? And I'm a very free meditator uh, in terms of, I have my techniques that I leverage and my methods that I use. I recognize that all methods are traps. So I use those methods to get me to the one or very close to it. And then I let the method go and I'll, I'll merge. One of the people that was sitting in it, because we host many plant medicine ceremonies, um, particularly with ayahuasca and my partner and I, who, who's from Brazil. And so we host many uh, and we have large, we were building these large communities of people that come and sit with us and, and, connect with their inner being and learn and go into it. And we're teaching them the techniques and how to, but one of the people at ceremony, one of the people that we brought in as a guardian to help overwatch the ceremonies, they're really into, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with Yogananda at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's like, for anyone that doesn't know, he's a, a self-realized fully conscious being and a fully conscious being is, um, yeah. A fully conscious being or someone that's enlightened, someone like Buddha or Jesus or Yogananda, or there's several of them, there's many of them, and there's some on earth right now. But you would ask earlier how my experience was different as I started to get into floating more. 
if we were to even imagine for a moment what their experience of reality or realities is like, it's far different than many of ours. <laughs> um, and I understand that this this collective that's indulging in this right now is very high vibrational and deeper on the path than many people on earth right now. But just, I, I just feel called to paint the picture of this for a moment. A self-realized, fully conscious being has purified and purified to the point where there's no more attachments at all to anything in the physical world. And they've come to the deep realization the deep realization, and now it's a knowing that they exist beyond their body, beyond their mind, beyond space and beyond time. And they sit in that place where they just watch the drama of life unfold before their very eye without any attachment to it. And in fact, they are actually experiencing, because now that they've merged and they are beyond time, they have merged. They see the whole movie as it's written the movie of this whole life, they also, their awareness is not just limited to seeing through these eyeballs and seeing life from one vantage point. They are able to now experience life, this reality alone, from my vantage point, from yours, from every one of your listeners' vantage point, from everyone on earth, in this moment, in every moment, past, present, and future, they're experiencing every single moment, every moment, from every possible perspective, on every plane of reality, on this plane of reality, on every plane of reality, in all dimensions, and they're experiencing that, they've merged with it all, and they are it all, and they've merged with it, and they're experiencing all of that, in every moment, there's no attachment to anything. There's nothing that's fascinating their awareness and they're forgetting that realization, forgetting about the rest. They've moved beyond their attachments and they've been able to just sit there, watch everything unfold without any attachment to anything that's unfolding on any plane. They see it all as perfect. They see the process as it's going and they're just sitting with it, experiencing it all, loving it all unconditionally. And yeah. I, I, I just wanted to paint paint that picture a little bit. I know it may sound a little a little far out to some. <laughs> no, it's it's an awesome you know picture to paint. And like when you look at that, um, like like I remember when what something opened up for me where I basically could look at any situation, like whether it was with myself or anyone that I'm like connected to in the moment. So whether it's like a family member or a client or whatever like I could see the, all the different like angles, right. That are possible, like in that moment, like if you take like one choice point, right. Mm -hmm. And you could look at, and the way like it showed up for me is like all the different doors you could walk into. Right. And to be able to simultaneously see those, right. And see, and it's almost like, you could equally choose any of them, right? Like there's no resistance to like coming in one door, another door, another door, another door. It's like seeing like infinite possibility around one choice, right? Or one like concept or one thing that somebody is like struggling with. And and in when that opened up for me, like, so it's, it's like taking a microcosm of what you just described 
right? Mm -hmm. And saying like, like I am aware of one little piece of that grand puzzle, right? Like one little fractal of like, of energy of like, you know, cause we have to experience at some point, you know, if we're on the, on this journey, like being able to not just see through the three-dimensional reality, right? It's like, you start to be able to access like other, you know what I mean? Avenues, other doors, other things. And so in that experience, like of oneness in that seeing, you know what I mean? Everything simultaneously at the same time, like you can expound then out to like other, you know what I mean? Arenas, like what if you could do this? What if you could do that? And like, every time you open up those different things, like your whole experience of like, what is life, right? Or what it just completely shifts and changes. And it's like, you know, I think we're not the same person. Like you're not the same person listening to this conversation that that you and I have been having, right? Um, after the conversation, you don't see things the same. Like you all of a sudden, you know, someone is listening to this going on a walk and they're listening to this episode and all of a sudden they're looking differently at the trees, right? And the grass and the, the you know, the little creatures that they come across on that walk. And that is really that expansion. And, you know, I just think every avenue that we have, like you feeling connected to floating and that being like a, a door that can open, you know, open this up is so, so powerful. How, let me ask you, like, are your float tanks available for like individuals to purchase, to have them in their home? Are they available? You know what I mean? For centers, like what is your life like in spreading this word about floating? Like, are you going to different places and bringing them into different, you know, parts of the world? Like what is, what is life like in the float world? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have, float tanks and a lot of different residences and commercial centers. And when I got into it, I kind of envisioned more commercial centers. Um, but it turns out like 80% of the tanks we're installing nowadays are actually residences. I think probably mostly because we're on the podcast scene and chatting with many amazing podcasters like yourself. And a lot of people listen to this, maybe you know, they got space in their home. They want to deepen their practice. They have a chunk of change. They're looking to invest into themselves, into their spiritual health, into their life, whatever it is. And they got a spare bedroom or space in their garage or their basement, whatever it is, and get a float tank in. And yeah, then they float on. So I guess a lot more resonances than I had anticipated, which is beautiful and been really cool. It's been really cool to see. And then for me right now, I mean, a lot of balancing the max vitality brand where we have our float tanks and our salts that we use to fill the float tanks with their people it's like a magnesium rich salt that blends magnesium chloride which has two and a half times more magnesium than epsom salt and it blends it with magnesium's powerful cofactors co um, to maximize how much magnesium someone's actually soaking up during a float or during a foot soak or during a bath, whatever it is. So a lot of people at home have been using that instead of Epsom salts and stuff like that because it has just way more magnesium and it has the cofactors as well. So you can really just soak up a lot more. So obviously doing that and running those operations, doing the podcasting and making sure everything's kosher with the business and overseeing it all while at the same time investing more energy into cultivating a space for us to host our meditations and our play medicine ceremonies and just kind of we're at like you said choice point which we came to um recently between 
going all in to max vitality and taking it to the moon, you know, living this fantasy life in that regard, in one regard, or investing less into the physical world. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, in some sense, still doing it, but investing deeper into what what I know deep down I am here to do. And there's a lot of stuff for me to work through, a lot of karmic processes for me to purify while I'm here. And a great way for me to do that is if we can cultivate that space, cultivate a life built around that, where some of the stresses in the float world can sometimes pull me out of it for a little bit. And that's part of my curriculum and part of my process and still using it as such. But for me to be able to attempt to make the full trip, it would be just cultivating that space fully where there's a lot more meditation. Um, so there already is a lot of meditation. <laughs> I feel like all day is a, a walking meditation. <laughs> I but, love uh, that. I love yeah, that. And I think, you know, on your journey, it's like you have to leave room for the evolution and the evolution will continue. You know, I've had like, I've just had people, you know, walk out of the life that they built in some respects and walk into something new. Cause like, there's so much changing on the planet all the time. And I think the greatest thing we can do is like, we have a lot of, you know, that attachment thing. Oh, I have to do this and I have to do it this way. And I have to keep doing it. And like, yep. I mean, I just think more and more people's souls are just being called like in new directions all the time. And it's like, and what you're doing is spreading seeds right? With every cultivation and new expansion. So where can people find out more about all the things and connect with you? Yeah. So I mean, if it, maxvitality.co is a great place to start. We got our website on there with all of our float tanks and we have float pods, small, medium, large. We have open float pools, which have no lid over the top, which are better for centers oftentimes, but Tanks large enough to float two people or one person at a time. So if anyone's interested in a float tank, definitely hop on there, fill out, get a quote, and we'll get you some more info. And then we also have our Vitality Salt Bath Blend as well, which is really great. It was a really good addition to my meditative practice as well. Even a lot of times I do when I'm recording a podcast or working, anything like that. I got a little fit soak basin under me and got the salts in it and set the intention. And I love it. Just, just noticing the impact that has on helping me quiet my mind and as a result, opening opening up my heart more, um, de-stressing a little bit. So the magnesium is a mineral I've connected deeply with. So yeah, we got the Vitality Salts. Anyone's interested in that? And yeah, other than that, at Max Casa, M-A-X-X-C-A-S-A on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. Keep up to date on what we're doing there. Got a lot of fun stuff going on. And I guess just one more thing is if anyone listening to this may be interested in sitting in ceremony at some point, if they feel that call, then we also have our church website, Divine Unity, divineunity.ec.com. Um, and you feel free to check out our upcoming retreats on there. We're all over the East Coast of the U.S. right now, but uh, we got some coming up on the West Coast as well. So if anyone's interested, let me know. We can get you some more info. And I'm looking forward to connecting with more of your your peoples, more of your universe. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's such a great chat. Fun going deep with you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. We appreciate you and all that you shared. And yeah, you guys, like, let's dive into this. I just think, you know, I think the energy shared on this episode, as I felt before even jumping on with Max here, um, is really powerful and potent, definitely one to re-listen to. So thank you again, Max, for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you. I appreciate you. Much love. 
Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm-hmm.